This episode of Talk of the Devils is sponsored once more by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit 1 million orders phase. Yep, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling ETH style turtleneck sweaters or blueprints for brand new stadiums, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to Talk of the Devils, you can sign up for our $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash reddevils, all in lowercase without any spaces. So go to shopify.com slash reddevils to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash reddevils. The Athletic. Today I'm happy to meet all, <laughs> but um, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, uh, it was a really warm welcome here in the club, and I'm looking forward uh, to to work in this club, and I'm looking forward to cooperate with you all. So um, uh, it gives me energy. Looking forward to the new season, and um, yeah, today uh, I feel quite well. Uh, I feel welcome. Yeah, this is my home, and I want to achieve success. Okay. This is Talk of the Devils, a Manchester United podcast from The Athletic, and that was Eric Ten Hag speaking at his very first press conference as the new manager of Manchester United. I'm Ian Irving, Laurie Whitwell is alongside me rubbing shoulders. We've just been in the press conference with Eric, and Andy Mitten is also with us on Talk of the Devils from Stansted Airport. Uh, we get everywhere as lads, don't we? What did you make of it, Laurie? Yeah, I thought he started well in terms of coming out, shaking the front row's hand, although I missed out on a handshake. Did you get one, Ian? I got a handshake, got yeah, a handshake. to be fair. yeah, That's why he started on our side. So. I know, for a bit, bit of a snub to start with, but um, he wore a smile, he wore his cream suit, um, and it was a, certainly a change from his expression at Sellers Park yesterday where he had a you know, furrowed brow, folded arms. And I think that was a clear... Uh, deliberate decision, wasn't it, to kind of start with a smile, um, you know, saying basically to people, hopefully the sunshine days are back and I can be the one to change things around. Um, sat down, introduced himself, and it, it felt good. Um, and then I suppose just he's quite clipped with his English, isn't he? Yes. So this is back to those questions that we've had from people over in Holland and also um, people that were involved in the interview that he had with Spurs, whether or not his communication in English was, you know, exactly what you'd want. Um, apparently that's how he is. You know, he's quite short with his answers. Um, it, clearly some parts of his grammar were kind of the wrong way around, I suppose, for, from an English perspective. That might get better. That's not, you know, the be all and end all, how he speaks to us. It's how he transmits that to the players, isn't it? You know, whether he can convey his messages. What he actually said, the substance of it was great. You know, it was about challenging Pep and Jurgen Klopp already, you know, whilst they're still in place. An era can come to an end, sounded yeah, ominous, exactly. didn't it? Well, that's yeah. it. He delivered it, I suppose, with being quite short about his answers, um, it means that they kind of have a bit more purpose about them. There's no waffle. Not like me, who waffles on forever and a day. Um, kept it. To... <laughs> Ian's just shown me a Stroop waffle, which were in the 
uh, in the canteen area of the press Can you hear the office. rustle? I'm just going to open it now. So basically the club laid on Stroop waffles to make Eric feel at home and also bottles of Heineken. Now the Stroop waffles are more or less gone, but the Heineken's untouched. We're all professionals, obviously. Would you like to try a Stroop waffle? I'm currently eating, getting a bit of sustenance. I hope that's all right. Yeah, the back of it. It's definitely from the Netherlands. Uh, caramel Stroop waffle. Nice and sweet. Short and sweet, maybe. A bit like Eric Ten Hag. Um... Speaking to the Dutch journalist, Andy, they, they said that this is just him, that it's not a language thing, that his answers were quite short and sharp and to the point, that this is essentially the way that he communicates in press conferences. United have had a lot of managers who have talked a lot in recent years, including the interim manager who's just left. Is it necessarily a bad thing if he can still get his point across? Are you concerned about it? It'll be judged by his results. I think a lot of United fans were too taken with Ralph Rangnick and how good he was when he spoke but if United improve and they've got to improve because this has been absolutely horrendous recently then they'll get totally behind Ten Hag. I think his, his English will improve because he's living in England and Dutch people are usually very good at languages. I also think putting a bit of slight with his languages it's really hard to speak in, in a different country uh, for the first time, people do make uh, make mistakes. I speak from my my own experience of once inviting the postman in for a coffee because I mixed up the words for open the door, and I thought he, he thought that's what you do. And I was told all along about um, his personality. Um, it's one of them with football fans. If the team are winning, they'll grow to like his personality. If the team are not winning, then any perceived or potential faults will will be will be magnified. I think today is a pretty optimistic day for Manchester United fans. They've seen the manager sign, presentation done early, and it comes less than 24 hours after that horrendous afternoon in South London. Yeah, I think it's smart from the club in terms of setting their own agenda as the summer begins, because already, even from just the result yesterday, there would have been lots and lots more written to fill the vacuum between, obviously, the season ending uh, Ralph Rangnick holding his last round of interviews and his last press conference after the game until when Ten Hag would, would have done his unveiling, which usually would be, of course, when pre-season began and when the players returned. I mean, he said in the press conference today that he's got no intention of speaking to any of the players until they come back. He says that they need a break. Um, just to run through some of the, the, the main points from it, really, um, he said he was excited to be here. He said he didn't see it as a risk, considering... He's got quite a burgeoning reputation in European football and this is a, a place that's eaten reputations in recent times. As Laurie mentioned before, he stated his intention to end the dominance of, of Klopp and Guardiola in English football. Uh, he stated that he was a boyhood Manchester United fan, Andy, as well. He said that United were his favourite team growing up in England. He wanted to point out, maybe that's because when he goes to Germany, he woos the Bayern fans and when he goes to Spain, he woos the Barcelona fans. I don't know. Uh, an interesting point as well, he said that um, he's very complimentary about Harry Maguire, but he certainly offered no assurance that he'd remain as Manchester United captain. And he also said that there's been good meetings and that him and the club are on the same page in terms of shaping the squad and shaping the future of United. I mean, like we say, the, the answers were fairly short, Laurie, but in terms of main points to get across, he ticked all the boxes, didn't he? Yeah, he answered all the questions. I mean, I suppose he deferred a couple, you know, particularly on Cristiano Ronaldo. He said, you know, very much one word answer in terms of what's he going to bring to your side 
goals. Yeah. Um, I'll talk to him before I talk to you as well. Yeah. That's it. I quite like I, that. I, mean, I didn't mind that. No, yeah. Exactly. You know, what, what's what's he going to tell us that he, he he's not going to tell Cristiano Ronaldo first? Clearly, he's, he's such a big presence at Manchester United that he needs to have that conversation and get that ticked off. Um, and then, yeah, he'll he'll do some more media, won't he? In pre-season, there's a tour in Thailand and Australia. I'm sure he'll speak then. Um, but in terms of what he actually said, in terms of you know wanting a, his team to play a certain way, but also adjusting to the players that he's got at his disposal, in terms of having Mitchell van der Gaag, who he speaks seven languages, so that communication issue that we're sort of perhaps raising is is perhaps negligible when you've got a assistant that can speak like that. There's me stuttering over the word negligible whilst criticising. <laughs> he's speaking guy seven languages. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So overall, I think he's he's got character, he's got personality. You can see that, but it's just in this particular sphere, I suppose. He, he doesn't want to waste his words. No, and I think you can understand that. And I thought one of the most revealing things as well, he had no intention of telling anyone what he thought about the current Manchester United squad, about the current Manchester United mood, about the job that Ralph Rangnick has done. Even speaking about Rangnick, he seemed to shut that down pretty quickly. Um, he was asked about Crystal Palace yesterday and he, more or less his exact words were, I watch, I make my analysis, I draw my conclusions, I keep for myself. Um, I think you could say something else about Palace yesterday, Andy, couldn't you? Well, I do know that he was impressed with the away support, so I can say that for a fact. That's something. Probably the only bright spot yesterday, apart from the, the beautiful weather in South London. Yeah, it, it was awful. I mean... Again, the away end was sold out. I got the train down from Manchester. The train was absolutely packed. Loads of people didn't have tickets. Loads of people had really difficult journeys to South London. There was a, a serious car crash on the motorway. The trains weren't running as smoothly as people would, would have hoped for. It was another defeat, another game where Manchester United failed to score a goal. Another match. I just find myself watching the team all the time thinking, come on, wouldn't an, wouldn't an equaliser be great? And this, this is what I feel like we've been reduced to. We know Palace were vengeful. We know they felt they deserved something at Old Trafford. We know they've had some really good results as well, but I took my two kids to, to that game yesterday. It's not what I, I normally do. And people were saying to me that this is child cruelty making them watch this. And I think I think they've got a point. And I've, I've just been accosted by social services and saying, you know, is it fair for you to put your children through this? Is this why you're leaving the country so quickly, Andy, at Stansted Airport, Airport speaking to us? Yeah, my kids are hid behind me so that we don't get... Um, you're technically a fugitive, aren't you? I'm technically a fugitive, but one of you mentioned at the start of the podcast that you're rubbing shoulders. You are actually physically rubbing shoulders, aren't you? Yeah. People listening to this cannot see, but I can assure them that you two are rubbing shoulders with each other. We are so close, I can taste Laurie's breath. It's not too bad, actually, to be fair, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. No, let's move on. Um, what did you think of Crystal Palace yesterday? What do you think of this season coming to an end? I think I think the press conference today has made us made it okay for us to forget about yesterday, doesn't yeah. it? As you said, it's, it's good from United's perspective to shift the conversation on, draw a line under last season, as we can already call it, I think. A bit I've soon gone, for that, but I'm, I'm there. What is, what is the yeah. technical... I need to get football cliches, Adam Hurry, yeah. on to ask what is the exact point you can call this season, last season. Well, it's last uh, season now, isn't it? It's season. finished, well, yeah. There's no finals, is there, for United to be in, so... No, true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was another dismal display, wasn't it? Players misplacing passes, sort of being disjointed. There wasn't really anything positive to say about it. I mean, Hannibal Mejbury got in the mix with Wilfred Zaha, didn't he? Had a shot in the second half that was tipped over. Cavani 
missed a chance. That was basically it. I mean, Bruno Fernandes, to give the ball away like he did, that's something that I think Eric Ten Hag will have to look into because he's a brilliant player on the front foot when he's trying to create and, and he certainly tries and plays passes that not many others in the squad can do. But at the same time, he, he seems to be tipping that balance between keeping possession and, and trying crazy things. I mean, I don't know what the purpose of that back pass yesterday, what the end goal might have been. Similar to his one at Watford that he did that then sort of allowed Watford to get a penalty. So that, that's something I think that Eric Tenag will want to address. Um, but yeah, I think you could see, couldn't you, from the expression from him in the stands that he, he was making his notes and he was drawing his own lines, as he said a couple of times today. Um, and he'll perhaps show us what he thinks with his selections. I think, I mean, you look at the, the season overall, Goal difference of zero. Crystal Palace yeah. had a better goal difference last season. Liverpool and City were 70 goals better off there, there or thereabouts. 58 points from Premier League season is, is, a, is an atrocious um, you know, result of... And you look at the spend, you know, over £1 billion spent since 2013. It's, it's, it's an expensively assembled mess. Yeah. And so there are deep-rooted issues that I think Eric Tenag will have to get to grips with. Yeah, and in a sense, Andy, they got away with it a bit being in the Europa League. I mean, amongst Manchester United fans, all of a sudden playing on Thursday nights in Europe's second competition seems like something good compared to what the alternative was. Yeah, two viewpoints about that yesterday. One from a current staffer at Manchester United. We can't go into the Conference League next season. So that was clearly how the club were feeling about getting into that third UEFA competition and that inspired a 1-0 defeat yeah, and, and, and I agreed with that because I've spoken of the virtues of the Europa League uh, this year but then James Scowcroft the former Premier League striker came up to me uh, he was at the game he's a Manchester United fan and we spoke about the two European competitions and James said well have you looked at the teams in the conference have you looked at the final he said both of them teams in the final are better than Glasgow Rangers and he actually put a defence forward for the Conference League so it's not something we'll need to discuss because Manchester United did make the Europa League it does feel almost like default given how bad United were at the end of the season but United did finish sixth and that's good enough to get into that competition I think looking at it now with an optimistic head on Manchester United will be among the favourites for, for that competition but then I'm also look at the reality of what we've been seeing there would need to be a huge improvement to win that but it's better for squad management there will be a couple of strong teams in in the groups but there'll probably be a couple of weaker teams that means that younger players will get minutes I remember vividly Brandon Williams in Belgrade for example and someone telling me he wouldn't have got that if that would have been a Champions League fixture so there's a case for that next season there's a case for United being prepared to win that competition because as we stand at the moment we're not looking at Champions League elect in, in, in a year's time the best Manchester City are champions I'll say this because no City fans listen to this but uh, from a playing perspective they've been fantastic Liverpool as well they're so far ahead of Manchester United and Liverpool of course could win the Champions League this year they won't be winning the treble United fans yesterday were singing what was it 20 times 20 times and that one about have you ever won the treble with Phil and Gary Neville that was being sung in the stand. And it, it's a factually correct song. I have not, and we won't be seeing it this season either.
Okay, let's move it on then. Let's talk about last season, as Laurie has uh, now coined it, which I quite like from a mental perspective. Um, you've been very busy over the last 24 hours or so. There's a lot, I'm just scrolling through the app now, there's a lot of Manchester United stories with your names on them, including a special report inside Ralph Rangnick's spell as the interim manager of Manchester United. Laurie, I'm not just saying this because I'm sat next to you, but a fascinating insight into what's happened behind the scenes. I'd recommend anyone to go and have a look at that article right away. Uh, it's a long read, but it's definitely worth it. And some brilliant detail in there. You've done a lot of digging, haven't you? Got me spayed out. Yeah. It's been a labour of love. It's been something that I think, to be fair, you know, obviously with The Athletic, we try and do these, these big reads that are detailed, that kind of capture a whole period, I suppose. And so it's one that, you know, have a little notebook and you're making things as, uh, as the weeks pass on. Um, but yeah, hopefully there's a few new bits in there for people to get into. And I think, you know, there's lots of different bits, but but the main two takeaways for me were the fact that Lars Konecka, which is Ralph Ranić's uh, assistant at Lokomotiv Moscow, he's been with him at Hoffenheim, been with him at, at the Red Bull groups, very uh, renowned, I suppose, video analyst. Um, he was giving advice to uh, Ralph Ranić on match days, um, sometimes via Ewan Sharp and Chris Armas, um, uh, but also uh, giving video analysis on opposition and on Manchester United during the week. And just the idea that, you know, you had somebody abroad um, watching the games on perhaps uh, more basic technology than those in the stands. Is that undermining to the to the staff here as well? It certainly raised eyebrows. I mean, you have Paul Brand here, uh, head analyst at Manchester United, who perhaps was a bit sidelined in that regard. When you've got Ralph Rangnick sort of listening, you know, via intermediaries perhaps to Lars Konecka um, in terms of what he thinks is going on during games. Um from Ralph Rangnick's point of view, no doubt, he felt that he was, Lars Konecka being, the best person to, to sound off. Um, you know, he didn't get, as we've detailed in the piece, didn't get his ideal assistance. There was sort of three different names targeted and a couple for work permit reasons and one just because of the job offer at Manchester United being so transitory, didn't want to come. Um, so, But he's got Lars over in uh, Russia, I guess, you know, locomotive Moscow. Um, doing this kind of analysis unpaid by Manchester United it is kind of remarkable when you think about mm. it it kind of speaks to the fact that Ralph Rangnick felt he needed that and the fact that Manchester United allowed that um, and the confusion that that had sometimes led to in terms of um, analysis coming back later than it would have done if it had been done in England at Carrington um, during the week um, yeah so there's a few different details in the piece about the kind of difficulties that that, that, that then led to and then the second big takeaway really was just the team spirit. And this is something that Ralph Randnick reflected on in his press conference and how he felt that that is fractured and that you, that's one of the big tasks for Eric Ten Hag to fix. Um, there was a team meal on Wednesday. Wings, for example, sort of say farewell to a few departing staff members uh, and, and sort of several first teamers didn't go. Maybe that's a small sort of vignette of what's going on. But, you know, I think Ralph Randnick felt that that was a kind of emblem of, of the, the the fragmented nature of the squad. Then again, you know, you might say that actually the players had switched off from him for, for a while um, and his coaches, and that was just a, an example of, you know, the fact that they didn't feel like they had to hang around necessarily for, for that purpose. So, yeah, there's, there's quite a lot in there, but hopefully people can find some enjoyment at least from it. I mean, a lot of the comments, you know, we're reading them and, and some very nice ones, but quite a lot of them were reading it through, uh, through their fingers and kind of thinking, wow, there's, there's quite a lot of work here. Yeah, Andy, I think one of the sort of prevailing emotions reading Laurie's piece is the sense of relief that this this interim period is now at an end and surely 
Eric Ten Hag arriving here now in Manchester. Incredibly, that was his first visit to Old Trafford this morning to come and do the press conference and have his picture taken and, and walk around the pitch. It, it just gives you a sense that it's got to get better, hasn't it? Surely just him arriving and the certainty of a longer-term situation and contract and everything else has to improve things, doesn't it? The mood has to improve, surely. It, it has to, and I think it will because you've got the summer for it to improve and outgoings are only going to uh, cheer people up. Incomings are only going to cheer people up as well. I've not had a chance to read Laurie's piece yet because I've just not stopped. I've had, I've had the kids with me, but I'm going to read it um, this this afternoon. You said that Eric Ten Hag's a United fan. Surely he's been to Old Trafford before then. I'm going to have to pull him up on this, why he's not been there in the past. Why wasn't he there in the away end when PSV came or, or whatever? But <laughs> your, your, point, your point is absolutely right. It has to get better. He's joining at a club where the mood is so low, where the bar has been set so low. It's like the opposite of when Sir Alex Ferguson left, for example, where people just expected success to continue. And I can vividly remember Ed Woodward saying, this squad does not need retooling. And there's a slightly sort of corporate um, phrase to use. And yet at the same time, you had David Moy saying, there's a massive, massive job to do here. So you had two people working with each other, in theory as a team, in theory closely, with the opposite opinions. So now what you've got is John Murta and Eric Ten Hag. They're in the same circumstances because it's John and Eric. This is this was John's appointment more than anybody else. Um, they've got to go to war as a team now. There are going to be times where there's tension there, where there's, I wouldn't say uh, conflict for sure, but managers tend to want more and more all the time. Someone's got to push back and, uh, against that. So... The, the the fans I think are predisposed to um, to hope for a, a better, brighter future. They think that new means better a lot, and they often celebrate fans, um, staff moving out there, saying this this is what what is needed. Again, that's not always true. Laurie wrote the story of um, Hemmen, the finance guy leaving. Not really a high profile uh, person from a football perspective, but. Someone who I was told was really, really good at their job. So some of these departures have been on, 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 on because the, the staff have wanted to leave. Um, others have been have been pushed as well. But it is still a club in a state of flux. There's going to be more departures. I'll tell you that now for a fact. And there's going to be more people coming in. So United is still going to continue making the headlines even when no football has been played. Yeah, I thought it was interesting this morning that listening to the radio, they weren't talking about the title race anymore. They were talking about Manchester United and the, the problems and, and Eric Ten Hag speaking today. If you want to read more about the problems this season, the inside track and exactly what's gone wrong at Manchester United, go and have a look at Laurie's piece on The Athletic if you're a subscriber. If you're not, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. You get full access to all our great writing and ad-free versions of the Athletics podcast as well, including this one. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. Laurie, you've been for a drink with one matter, haven't you? I know, but people are asking me, 
what cocktails did you get in Rendition Bar? Because obviously, you know, that's what I advertised it as. I hope they're better than these waffles, by the way. You're still chewing that. Yeah. I, I, I wolfed mine down and Ian's still nibbling away. It's quite dry and chewing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I forced it down. Um, it was water only with one matter. Oh, was it? He's a professional. He had a match on the weekend, obviously he came on. Um, but no, yeah, I, I think it's still a soft opening anyway. Rendition is his new cocktail bar. He didn't even ask me to mention it. I just thought it was quite a nice to. Oh, is it his cocktail bar? Yeah, it's his cocktail, I didn't even yeah. know that. It's, it's the old restaurant that he had that he closed down. To pay on wine, was it called? Yeah. Yeah. So Brexit and COVID, uh, pandemic made sure that he, he said it wasn't feasible anymore. So he's revamped it. So his dad ran it, didn't he? So that's still the case. Yeah. So anyway, enough plugging for Juan Matter's rendition cocktail <laughs> bar. Hopefully he can give me some free shots at some point. Um, <laughs> Yeah, really interesting interview. He was diplomatic, but he said quite punchy things. The way he spoke was kind of very clear, and he obviously wanted to get certain things across um, in terms of United need to be first in class in every department on and off the pitch. I felt like there was a little bit of criticism for Ralph Rennick in there without saying as many words when he was saying that actually the idea of a manager is to get the best out of all players at your disposal, and has that happened? Um, so he, he chose his words very carefully, very smart guy, very erudite guy. I really enjoyed his company. I could have had I, mean, I had an hour and 15 minutes with him in the end. I could have had much longer, but you know they had to wrap it up um, and send them away. But um, no, really, I thought it was really valuable. And listen, he, he came out with the line that he's going to have conversations with Eric Ten Hag. We all assumed, I, I did certainly, that he was going this summer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think many people would have said that's the right decision to let him go. But maybe in hindsight, if you've got so many people leaving... And he still cares this deeply for the club, and you can see the technique that he's got. Perhaps ultimately, it makes sense to keep him. He's on vastly reduced terms anyway, so it wasn't like he signed last summer with the same salary. Um, and he wanted to play a lot more than he did this season. That that was clear as well. Yeah. Before we go any further, then let's hear from one matter. There's not only one specific question, but I think it's um, how do you say a collection or an yeah, addition yeah. of of certain things on the pitch and off the pitch. When, when a season is not going well, it normally always ends up with the same outcome, which is the manager out and then another manager comes. Now, the club tried that, to try to change the direction. And I think for a couple of games we did, but if you look at the end result, we didn't manage to, to, to change the direction because we didn't achieve the goal, which was top four, at least from where we were. Uh, not from the beginning of the season, but from where we were at the time that Ole was released. So, yeah. Um, I don't, it's not for me to say if it was inevitable or, in, inevitable or not, but what it was clear is that the tendency and the results were not, were not good enough. Do you discuss that amongst yourselves as players? Again, as, as an individual, it's incredible, incredibly frustrating for me because I care and because I don't want to be in this position, which is not getting the results that we want, not playing from a personal point of view, and if you're a football player and you don't play and you don't get results, it's difficult to be happy. Mm. So I haven't been happy over the last months. And my teammates the same, because the ones that they were playing more, probably they were not feeling that they were playing at their best levels. Of course we care and of course we speak about it and see what we can do. But mm. the only thing that I can do is what I can control. And that's my commitment, my professionalism, my availability to the team, my attitude when I play and when I don't play. And unfortunately, it has to be a lot when I didn't play this season. But that's what I've always tried, on the pitch and off the pitch. I don't see any point in doing the easy thing normally, which is when things are going bad, which, you know, as a human being, you, you tend to look for all responsibilities without looking to yours. 
and I don't think that helps you in the way of fixing the problem. So instead of doing that, what I try to do is, okay, I'm gonna do what, what I'm responsible for. I'm trying to do the best as I can that. And then after that, yes, I can value if it was enough or not. Do you think it's a difficult squad to manage? A squad is as difficult as to manage as the skills of the people who is managing the yeah. squad and the way that personalities are in the squad. And the, I mean, you need a lot of empathy and social skills to manage 25 people that want to play and there is only 11 that can play and all that. So you need to have certain different ways of doing it. What I see in the squad is a squad full of good people, full of people that hasn't been, of course, at our best this season. But as far as to say that it's a difficult squad to, to manage, I'm, I'm not sure. It, I, I know it's easy to say these players have been not performing for this manager and that manager and that manager. And yeah, okay, it's, it's a fact that we didn't get the results that we should have. But I think it's also a combination of everything, not only uh, players. Very candid there, one matter, Andy. Yeah, it was good, good interview. You could tell that Laurie spent a good chunk of, of time with him and I think this is stuff that the Athletic does well I think as Laurie says he was pretty punchy you know that if he was talking off the record he would be even more punchy but he he, he said it as it is we can all see how poor Manchester United have been I saw him on Friday at Carrington I said what I thought was goodbye to him um, and he he said he wanted to play football he said that pretty consistently it felt that he hasn't played enough football this year. And then at Sellhurst, he was the last United player off the pitch. So he walked up towards the away end. Everyone was singing for, for Juan Mata. And he waved. And then he waved again. And then he walked back towards the dressing room. And then he turned around and he walked back to the fans. And you could just tell that he's thinking, should I go even further? No, I can't do that because we've been absolutely terrible this year I can't milk it even more but I think the the warmth towards him was genuine I think he's a great human being I think he's a very good footballer but he's definitely brought quality uh, to that dressing room just a great shame that he didn't realise his ambition which was winning the league with with Manchester United I'd be very surprised if he stays um, next year as, as a first team player Stranger things have happened. I know that his desire to play football has been a long-standing one, though. But read it, because it's, it's, it's a good interview. Andy, one matter was about the only Manchester United player that your daughters didn't have a picture with yesterday, wasn't he? They are very, very lucky girls. But no, they did have a picture with Juan Mata, and I'm going to show it you now. Ah, OK. I, I, I first knew Juan when he was at, at Valencia. And without getting all soppy, um, when, when my father passed away he made contact with my little brother unbeknown to me and went to watch him train and in Wivenshaw and he just turned up and said any chance can join in lads and just started pinging balls in to my little brother Blimey. I'll never ever forget that because the following day I saw a story in the, in the Daily Mail and I thought oh isn't that top isn't that lovely what Matt has done and I thought that's my brother and Months later, he just kept, you know, talking, asking about the family and stuff. So, just to prove that, there you go, boys. Can you see that? Yes, we can. There's a smiling one, matter and one of Andy's daughter underneath each arm. The, the lucky, the lucky kids. I got them selling United. We stand outside the away yesterday. I think once you eat at the big eight, you're you're allowed to work and graft. And I made sure that 
in the hot sun that that work came first and I said if, if you do a good two hour shift I'm going to let you have a sip of water um, How would you rate the performance Andy with the good sellers? You got far more attention than I did and people were just saying you're united, united so the little one who's pretending that she's a bit barter she's having to think twice about things now they love it, you know kids, kids see things totally differently they love seeing police horses they were going up to the police horses what's your name, they were going up to the police sniffer dogs saying hang on a minute hang on a minute united really do need to improve if your daughter's highlight of the day was selling united we stand stroking horses and meeting police dogs yeah and having an ice cream from a cockney ice cream salesman and they, they love it you you, you you forget to see the world from a different place to us cynical skeptical adults and it's a nice day and just getting the, getting the train in and out of london they're just asking loads of questions what does this song mean Dad, oh dear. why don't you want Liverpool to win the league? Dad, I thought you said that you didn't like Manchester City. Um, so, you know, dealing with all of these questions. And then I went to sell United. We stand at half-time, just walking up and down the, the away end and told my daughter to stay with the other one. And five minutes later, I looked round and she's walking down the aisle. She's only 11, shouting, latest United, we stand three pounds. So I was pretty buzzing off her. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it there, Andy? That's what you like to see. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> Excellent. There's an interesting piece actually on The Athletic at the minute as well from Danny Taylor about how Manchester United fans are hoping this time next year we're not having those same conversations with our children about why we're happy City have won the league and not Liverpool because that literally is something that we just can't hold on to for it, too long. It was an unusual one as well. I was watching it at home uh, and sort of I managed to flick between Sky at all the wrong moments. You know, missed all the goals <laughs> Did in you? The, uh, at the Etihad and Anfield. And it, it was I, the only extra bit that I mean, it's sad, isn't it, that this is what we're clinging to yeah. as United, you know, fans and, and followers. That a final day where you know the, the team that we kind of loathe more gets more kind of angst, I suppose. And I was thinking it would have been funny if Liverpool had actually taken the lead at Anfield whilst City yeah, still true, yeah, drawing or losing. They were only top of the table between Mane scoring his second goal and the linesman's flag going up as it stood on the day, and that was about three seconds. And then wasn't yeah. there, but then I saw a match today. There was a bit of fake news around Anfield where they thought that um, Aston Villa equalised, so they, oh, they started that. cheering in the stands. Yeah, so that, that's kind of you know semi amusing, but. Um, Schadenfreude, you know, yeah. uh, what a team getting 92 points. You know, imagine if United got 92 <laughs> points. It's incredible, really, how close they've been. But, I mean, that just shows, it underlines how far ahead those two teams are. And Eric Ten Hag, obviously, being quite positive in what he's saying. You know, we can end the era whilst Pep and Jurgen Klopp are still in situation. I mean, Jesus, it's going to it's going to be a long old slog, that. No, I heard Eric say it. An era can come to an end. I think that's a positive note to end the podcast on. Remember, later on in this week, we're going to do our final Talk of the Devils of the season and we want your input into it. We're going to have a look at what Eric has got ahead for the job here at Manchester United. So we want you to shape the talking points. Let us know what you think his priorities are. Let us know what you think he needs to get sorted before the season starts again in August. Comment on the app. Uh, on the the feed for this podcast also of course you can message us on social media any one of us who tweet the podcast out just add a comment to that we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to get you guys shaping the conversation for the podcast and the final podcast of the season later on this week but don't worry we're not completely going away we're going to have a break after the end of this week for a couple of weeks and we'll be back throughout the summer to bring you all the latest happenings with Manchester United and you two are going to go on tour, aren't you? I can't wait. I mean, I know this is sad, isn't it? Because we're there to work, 
Are you? A long slog. Trust me. Well, I've just been speaking to somebody at United who made the point. We go to Thailand first, and they're going to have to have quite a tight bubble so that they can all get into Australia because they'll have to have COVID tests before going in. Ah, okay. I'd missed out on that. I'd sort of thought, oh, it'd be you know, we can have a nice meal. Party time. You're going to be thinking, <laughs> you know, Bangkok, but actually, maybe I'll just have to stay in my hotel room. I don't know. Um, True. Be a little bit of a debate, but yeah, Andy, you'll be out there, won't you? It'd be nice to sort of. See you properly for for a decent chunk of time, and hopefully, you know, speak to some players, speak to the manager once he's got his feet under the table. Yeah, it'd be nice. I enjoyed in Cologne, for example, a couple of years ago um, doing that. I've just almost finalised my flights. I'm going um, the direct route via um, Jeddah and Islamabad in in Pakistan. So I know a few Reds have got in touch with me from those places. So. And he's not even joking, guys. This is real. I thought he was joking when he told us this. And then, and then my Bangkok to Melbourne flight is via um, Manila in the Philippines. So you are joking? Eh? No, I'm not joking, mate. I'm, I'm not joking. I've, I've had to Mitten in Manila. I've had to see. Yeah, I've had to space my flights out because just the timings of all the flights and stuff like that. And I'm also going to pop in via Adelaide because I've never been there before. So that's the way that that's the way that my tell, brain works. Tell people what you told me. You said that you like to go places that you've never been before. So you looked at the routes from. Barcelona to uh, Thailand, and we thought, oh, Islamabad. I've never been to Pakistan. Yeah, that that's. I, I like to travel. I like to go to new places, and um, that's basically a main motivation for doing doing what I do. I like to meet people in different places, and uh, yeah, I thought, fancy that. People have been saying to me for years, like United fans in Pakistan, and loads of them listen to this podcast. Actually, I've been saying come over, come over. I've never really had a reason to go because it's not a big footballing um, country. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. I won't be there for so long, um, but I'm, I'm going to go. And then obviously in Thailand as well, where United are hugely popular. I just, I just try and space my flights so that I'm not doing a massive, massive long haul because I try and not to get too jet lagged, if that makes sense. But on the way back, that's impossible. Uh, Perth to London, you, you know, it's a long way. You, you just did. Well, I, for one, am looking forward to the tales already, aren't you? Hopefully, yeah. I was just thinking of all the films I was going to watch when Andy was saying that. I quite like it. Put my feet up, get a few films on. <laughs> you can watch reruns of this season for Manchester United, Laurie, and let us all know what exactly went wrong all over again. Give me nightmares. Yeah, I'll put you to sleep, possibly, yeah. Anyway, right, we're going to round it off then. Thank you for listening to Talk of the Devils from Laurie and I here at Old Trafford, shoulder to shoulder, and Andy in the departure lounge at London Stansted Airport. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one later on this week. The final talk of the Devils of last season. That's right, isn't it? Athletic.